While the Chicago Bulls didn't make many offseason acquisitions or trade deadline acquisitions, the Bulls made one key change to their franchise this past offseason that's already paying off big dividends in hiring a player development staff. We're going to talk about the impacts of that staff so far on just this season, the first year that they've been there. We're also going to take a look at the buyout candidates for the Chicago Bulls and previews tonight's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the last game before the All-Star break. We're going to get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes. Uh, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this content for today. So I want to talk about the player development de- uh, department that we were hired, led by Peter Patton, one of the most heralded shooting coaches out in the uh, in the world of basketball before he became uh, the head of the player development staff here with the Chicago Bulls. And this is a name that I, n- I don't know how many of the more uh, you know casual uh, Bulls fans really kind of understand what the Bulls did this offseason in hiring this guy and how it's already really kind of paying off big-time dividends for the Chicago Bulls, right? And I don't mean that in any kind of slight way at all. Like, it, it we are, we look so much at just what the players do on the court and even sometimes not even as much as what the coaches do on the sidelines, but a player development staff, a staff that most fans will never see the face of the player development staff or of the, 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 the guy who leads it in Peter Patton. Most people will never see his face and, and he's one of the most instrumental parts of bringing this team together in a lot of ways. Already on this season, Kobe White, Io DeSumo, and Daylon Terry have all talked about how Peter Patton has helped them just this past offseason. We had it earlier in the season, right after Kobe White really started going on this run now that he's been on for months as far as playing at this high level. He talked about how the, the player development, uh, head of player development and Peter Patton sat down with him and talked about some of his shooting motions and things like that. Kobe White saying, hey, nobody's ever stopped and really talked to me about changing these little things with my shot because I've always been such a good shooter over my career. Io DeSumo, who is now on this great run, we've seen that he's been a much improved shooter. I've talked about you know, how, how his shot has changed and the percentages that he's shooting at right now with the volume that he's shooting it at as well and how that three-point shot has become a legitimate threat for Io DeSumo so far on the season, of course. You want to see him do it consistently over time, right? And he's had had a great month of shooting the basketball, and he's been pretty solid over over his NBA career of shooting it, it generally anyway. But just the way that things have developed for Io DeSumo has been noticeable in, in just the, the volume, the frequency, how he's taking the shot with, with, uh, with less space down and more confident, shooting three-and-a-half three-pointers per game, almost a whole – uh, new a whole extra three over his career high with the Chicago Bulls and hitting it at 10% higher clip than what he did last season. You got you to gotta really commend him for that. But he said this, Coach P has been tremendous with me. Every day in the morning, post shoot around, I text him. He's done a great job of allowing me to understand my shot and find out what's the best way I can be effective using my jump shot. And he's very blunt with me. If I had, if I shoot a couple the wrong way, he always corrects me the right way. And I thank him for that. That is something that I do not want to let that go by. He even saying this, he's sending the film at nighttime saying, this is a good shot. This is a bad shot. And we have a relationship where he can coach me hard. When you have a player like an Io DeSumo, who is already one of the best work ethic players on the Chicago Bulls team, 
One of the reasons people feel so confident about Ayo Desumu being one of those players who will hit whatever his ceiling is, is his work ethic. And when you have a coach that is sending you tape, not just saying, hey, you can change these things, but showing specific examples of what and why and where you can do it, that's going to help tremendously, right? And you know, I go back to Kobe as well, who also is another player that's shooting the highest volume of three-pointers in his career so far, the five years he's been in the NBA, but also hitting them at the best clip. I'm not saying that Peter Patton and this player development staff is the only reason that these players are doing that, but I do think that it'd be remiss not to understand how important that development staff is when we have drafted so many players that have been these pieces that need to develop to, to and have been, you know, kind of raw prospects coming into the NBA. We've already seen Dalen Terry's shot look better. Now, he's not hitting it at a great rate yet at all, and I think Dalen Terry had such more of a gap to overcome than Io and Kobe White, who are already pretty solid shooters over their career. I mean, I would assume we're not amazing. His rookie year, he's 37% from the field on two and a half three threes per game. His second year, he dropped down to 31%, still on that same two and a half three-pointers per game. So he's always been a solid three-point shooter. Not great, but solid, right? And so now the fact that you add that in, same with Kobe White, always been a really solid three-point shooter, but now we're seeing that confidence in that shot rise so much. Dalen, Julian Phillips, these are players that only with one year, I should say one offseason and a partial season so far with that new player development staff have both changed their shots in a meaningful way. They still got work they need to do. And I think Julian Phillips specifically, like when you see what Julian's shot was in college and then you see what it's been so far in the NBA, you understand the work that's been done there with Julian Phillips. Now, it's up to them to continue to develop, to continue to fight and to kind of take their game even further than that and show that they can stay on the, on the basketball court. But these are guys that this player development staff is getting in there and helping develop them. And so while the Bulls didn't make any key big-name acquisitions at the trade deadline or in the free agent market, I think this player development staff is going to be one of those things that we may we may look back on and we may even not think about it at some point. It's all right. We may start seeing these young players in Dalen and, and Julian and you know even with working with good shooters already in Ernalot Batim and, and Henry Drell that we may see uh, you know, these guys come in and be these solid shooters, but it, that comes from the player development staff really helping and working with these guys. And I, you know, I know I've done it myself. A lot of a lot of sports fans do it. I don't think this is exclusive to the Bulls that we look at just the head coach and we look at that staff and the assistants and we ask themselves, well, why aren't they developing these guys? Well, now we have a staff that's keyed in on developing them. And that's probably why as well you see uh, players have these long stints in the G League now because that's going to allow Peter Patton and that development staff to kind of work with them more hand-in-hand hand rather than travel with the team, right? And so, you know, again, I'm not trying to throw any bell towards the front office or towards AK and their lack of, you know, kind of going out there and being more aggressive as a front office, but they did do something this offseason that I think is going to pay the bigger dividends off, and that is this player development staff. And when you talk about the team potentially heading into an area where some of these veterans and maybe a DeMar does walk away or whatever, and, you know, we've talked about how those guys help the development of the young players on the court. When you have a player development staff, that's going to help that development regardless. And that's kind of the more important developmental piece is what they're doing there at that development staff. So I just wanted to talk about that. I saw that uh, that quote from Ayo Desumu, and it really made me think back. I, I really haven't talked much about the player development staff in depth really since the start of the season. I know I've talked a little bit about it here and there, just saying, hey, well, they did hire a player development staff. Let's see the, the work that they put in. I came into the season saying things like, well, we may, it may be a season or so. It may be a season or two 
before we really see the impact of this player development staff. But I think we're already seeing that in Io DeSumo, seeing that in Kobe, to a lesser extent, uh, Daylon Terry, who continues to show little bits of flashes of being a more impactful player. Now, Patrick Williams has been a player as well where, you know, he's taken the shot more confidently when he was healthy, right? Kind of, you know, understanding, not hesitating as much. And maybe Peter Patton's a big part of that as well. So, you know, we just haven't, I didn't find any clips of, of specifically uh, Patrick Williams talking about Peter Patton and the player development staff, but hopefully they're working with him, especially in this time where he's been sitting out, things like that. So, but let me know what you guys think down below. While the team, like I said, didn't make any big name acquisitions on the on the basketball court, do you think that this player development staff could be one of the, the big, best aspects of this team improving over a sustained amount of time with how they've worked with these players and how they continue to work? And do you love what you're hearing from like Ayodosumu saying that these guys are, are Peter Patton is sending him tape every single night. That shows dedication. That shows determination as well. And so love seeing that from a coaching staff that is there to specifically develop those players. But let me know what you guys think on all that down below as always. So with that said, moving into the next round, we know that the next phase of this Chicago Bulls season is probably going to be the buyout market. Now, we've had varying success and, and failures with the buyout market. When you look at the first season, of this team coming together, right? The second season of AK taking over the team, we had a buyout signing of Tristan Thompson. He was supposed to be, bring toughness, leadership, rebounding, and some rim protection, a little bit of it. He really didn't bring any of those things. We then, last season, we did make a buyout signing of Pat Bev, who did come in. We had a 14-9 and record while he was here. He helped kind of put players back into a, a position that makes more sense to them. Zach Levine was able to do less ball handling, kind of focus on just scoring. We saw the, the run that he went on late last season to end that season, right? So, you know, we've had varying degrees of success with it. Can this be another season where we have some success? Well, it depends. You got to look at the market first to do that, and that's what we're going to do here. And first up, a lot of uh, play, uh, a player that a lot of people are kind of talking about the chances of bringing, I think because he does have still a lot of raw potential there, is Killian Hayes. He's a 6'5 combo guard. Think more of a point guard naturally is what you would want to do him at, but he's only 22 years old. He hasn't really had a, a, a great, uh, you know, you know, uh, basketball career at all. The fact of the matter is, he's just not a good basketball player. He can't shoot. Um, he was waived on his worst or on his rookie contract, which says a lot about how that team viewed him. He still has that lottery level potential in him, but I don't think that right now we can um, we can sign him. I think that what the Bulls will be trying to do at the buyout market is bring something to this team that we don't have yet. And so I don't think that he really helps with the Bulls of what their goals are this season. Now, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't love signing Killian Hayes as like a like a like on a two-way, which we don't, we're not going to cut anybody from a two-way on a G League deal or something like that. That may not come to the offseason, but Killian Hayes, a, a 6'5", a guard, he's only 22 years old, who's supposed to be this combo guard but can't shoot, right, uh, uh, and, and bring some defense. Maybe a play on his upside wouldn't be the worst thing, and especially when we just talked about Peter Patton and their player development staff and what they can bring. But right now at this buyout, I kind of expect the Bulls to go more of a surefire bet. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that one. Next up, Evan Fournier. Now, this is a guy who's 31 years old, 6'6 wing. He's a, a solid enough three-point shooter over the, over the course of his NBA career. But I still look at this guy and I say, hey, there's, there, there's a reason why. He, he wasn't playing, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe there is something to be said that he could come in in a role. He talked about how he was happy to get out of New York, so maybe there's something there. He's a career 37% three-point shooter, and and didn't doing that on five three-pointers per game. So there's something to be said there that he could maybe come in in that specialized role 
and thrive in that. But I can't say that I've seen enough from him personally to where I would be willing to bet that bet on that. But you know, again, somebody who, who brings some things that the Bulls could use. Uh, he's not officially bought out yet, but it, it but it you know he's expected to be bought out. So be on. The, oh, I'm sorry, he was bought out. So that's that's the thing. It is there. So it is what it is. There. We'll see what happens. Next up, Danilo Gallinari. Now, this is a guy who AK did try to sign. He ended up going to the Boston Celtics for a little bit more money. We ended up pivoting and signing Goran Dragic at that time. Now, this is a guy who, you know, at the end of the day, he, he still brings some three-point shooting, uh, averaging 45% from the field, 35.3% from three-point range. You know, there's some questions there about how much he's going to be. Is he washed up? Uh, does he bring that, that, that spacing at the power forward position that would help open up the floor? Four players like Drum, four players like DeMar DeRozan. There's there's a chance of that. But I just, I don't know if the Bulls make that move considering the, the doubts around him basically since that ACL injury. But if they did, he is somebody who is that career uh, solid enough shooter that you can bring in. And again, these players, we're not saying you're going to come in and at all, you know, change the the outlook of the Chicago Bulls. They're, bring, they're coming in to be specialists. They're coming in to, to bring something that the Bulls are missing, and that's three-point shooting. And Danilo Gallinari can bring that. You just have to ask yourself, is, is the risk worth it? And you're not making a big risk, right? It's a, it's a black buyout signing. So I don't want to – the Bulls aren't really risking any long-term money effects. These guys are only going to be signing for the rest of the season. They're not going to be signing for any type of long-term deal or anything like that. But this is a guy that over the course of his NBA career is averaging 15 points per game, four assists, four rebounds, and, and doing that at a decent clip, 38% three-point shooter for his career, taking five three-pointers per game. The Bulls can definitely use that. So – Again, if you're bringing him in at a specialist role, I can I can see that happening. But you know, I think the Bulls may pivot somewhere else. Now, Daniel House is another one that's out there on the market. He's expected to sign with a contender. I don't think he's going to come to the Chicago Bulls. So even though he'd probably be one of the better players it's as a six-six combo forward, I don't know if he's going to come here. Joe Harris is the next one up. This guy's a six-six player who can play on the wing. Uh, he's played a shooting guard and small forward over the course of his NBA career. The biggest question mark around him is, is Joe Harris still able to be that guy? Since he had surgery, ankle surgery a couple of seasons ago, he just really hasn't been the same player that he was prior to that. It just He just hasn't been that. Now, he still is somebody who can uh, spread the floor some, and I think that if he can give you solid minutes enough, right, you're looking at, he's on, over the course of, the, of his NBA career. This is the first season where he shot sub 40% from three-point range since 2016-17 season. So he's a guy who's always shot the ball above 40% and been taking four and a half to six and a half three-pointers per game over the over the course of that career. And what Joe Harris would be bringing to the Chicago Bulls is basically replacing the minutes potentially of a Javon Carter. Now, Javon Carter is playing, he played better in last game. I don't want to act like it's happened over a sustained period of time, but he is a guy that also offers that chance for the Chicago Bulls. To, to bring in some shooting and to maybe take a look at him. If he doesn't work out, they take a look at him that uh, he, he doesn't play well enough. No harm, no foul. You cut him, you don't worry about it, you keep playing Javon Carter. But that's the thing where the Bulls can look at it, especially in the half-court offense, right? In transition, the Bulls are pretty fine offensively. But Joe Harris, Danilo Gallinari, these players would bring something in the half-court offense that the Bulls have really been missing for a couple of seasons. So, you know, let's see if the Bulls do something. I don't, I've become more and more that the Bulls may not do anything even with the buyout market. Maybe instead of that, maybe they just play their young players a little bit more. And maybe they hope that Javon Carter is going to play better. Maybe they play Dalen Terry more. It's not going to add much shooting, but maybe they just use that as more of a development piece. 
But hey, guys, let me know what you guys think on all that down below. All right, with that said, we do have a game tonight, our last game before the All-Star break. We take on the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. And this is one of those games where, listen, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be prepared. The Cleveland Cavaliers have won 16 out of 18 games, and they are looking like a legit threat to, to, to come out that Eastern Conference with their play right now. And they aren't great offensively, right? This is a team that's ranked 15th in offense in the NBA, averaging 115 points per game. They are efficient from the field, though, shooting the ball as a team, 48.3% as a team, which is solid enough, right? They are also 18th in the NBA in three-point percentage, 36.2%. So again, not one of those teams that you, that you look at on paper as being a threat to completely light the Bulls up from three-point range like we've seen some other teams do. But they do have Donovan Mitchell, which we'll talk about here in a second. As long as you got Donovan Mitchell, a player who dropped 70, over 70 points on us, there's always that chance of that player going off, right? So the, the, the Cavs have a decent enough offense to where you still have to look out for them. You cannot come in here laxing defensively at all against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're the sixth best rebounding team in the NBA, getting 45 rebounds per game, and they're 15th in offensive rebounds as well per game. It's going to be important for the Bulls to keep the, the Cleveland Cavaliers off the boards tonight if they can. Now, one thing that the Bulls can take over or take advantage of, they are a turnover-prone team. They're averaging 11.8 turnovers per game, and the Bulls team that can get out in transition when they force turnovers, that makes Io more dangerous, things like that. Kobe's really good in transition. If the Bulls can take advantage of that and, and force those turnovers and get out in transition, they can attack that Cleveland Cavaliers defense before it sets up, and that's going to be important when we start talking about what they bring defensively. This Cleveland Cavaliers team has six players averaging double-digit points per game, only one over 20-point-per-game scorer in Donovan Mitchell. He's averaging 28.3. We already know what Donovan Mitchell can do. He's done it against us a few times since becoming a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But when you look at it, this team is led in most statistical categories by Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen. Donovan Mitchell leads them in points per game, assists, steal, and steals per game, whereas Jared Allen leads them in rebounds and blocks per game. That's not to say that that's the only focal point because we know Darius Garland is another player that can go off. He's averaging 18.4 points per game. The Bulls having a solid defense where they're playing that team defense is going to be important against this Cleveland Cavaliers offense that really spreads the ball around. Hell, we saw this team without most of their stars light up the Bulls, and that's what Max Struess going off on the Chicago Bulls. So again, another player you have to watch out for, especially getting hot from that three-point range, and the Bulls need to be locked in and try to avoid that tonight so they can go into this break maybe with a win. Now, the thing that makes the Cleveland Cavaliers such a dangerous team isn't their offense. Their offense is good, right, and efficient enough to where it's good enough, but it's that defense. They have the second-best defense in the league, only averaging only allowing 109 points per game. They have the fourth-lowest field goal percentage by their opponents in the NBA as well, and their ninth in turnovers force, uh, averaging uh, 13.4 forced turnovers per game. This is a team that also is going to try to force turnovers, rebound the ball well, and get out in transition. The Bulls have to be prepared for that because if they aren't, they're going to get lit up. They're going to get lit up, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to back down from anything the Chicago Bulls are going to throw at them offensively. This is a team that makes uh, defensive adjustments, especially after the half. And regardless of what success the Bulls have in the first half of the game, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to try to snatch that away from the Bulls in the second half of the game if the Bulls come in here lacking. So the Bulls got to be prepared. Another coaching effort that we're looking for, 
for this team to be well coached and come in with a solid enough game plan. And you got to you got to run half court offense. We're going to have to shoot the ball effectively and efficiently in this game. This is also a game where listen, they don't have the defenders out on the perimeter. To, well, they do. They have some def- defenders out on the perimeter. But um, Kobe White, if he can play well and shoot the ball better earlier in this game, they're going to try to force some of their their bigger players, like Okoro and other players, to be the ones guarding Kobe White. If he can do that, which could free up Demar Derozan to do his thing. This also is a team that does foul decently, right? I don't want to say they foul a lot, but they do allow their their opponents to get to the free throw line. So look out for Demar and his ability to get to the free throw line being one of the really big parts of this game as well. So let's see what this team can do, man. Last game before the All-Star break, we have eight days off, which that rest is going to be really important for players like Demar, players like Kobe who've been playing so many minutes, number two and number four in the league in minutes played per game. So we want to get those guys rest, but also getting another win in this Eastern Conference race as it's this, this is the time now to start watching the standings is going to be important. The Bulls have played okay against some of the better teams. Right here recently, that, that win against Minnesota definitely stands out. Can the Bulls have another performance like that against the Cleveland Cavaliers? We'll see. Let me know what you guys think and what your expectations are for the game down below. We'll be live on the channel tonight for the pregame, the halftime hangout, and postgame shows. So stay tuned in for that. Make sure you're following this channel at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullsCentralPod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of The Break Break Media. Media.